Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Gallant View of Angels podcast is brought to you by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them today on 01453 887 hhhmortgages.com You can also find them online at hhhmortgages.com or on their Facebook page. Hello and welcome to the Gallant View Rangers podcast. My name's Sean McDuff and I'll be your host for today. Despite no actual football being played by Rangers this weekend, there's still plenty to talk about. Joining me to do so is, first of all, Ian McCready. Ian, have you managed to fill your weekend with anything meaningful, or has it just been an empty, dark void? (sighs) Try to prepare my garden for the summer, Uh, just a wee bit of work at home. So, getting ready for the the 55 party. Good to hear, good to hear. Um, I'll I'll wait eagerly for my invite uh, in the post. And second of all, the wonderful Craig McAdam. Craig, you suggested we do an early pod today since there's no game and as a result I've had to get up before 11 on a Sunday for the first time since lockdown. suppose my first question is, why are you so cruel? Uh, these things happen when there's nothing else to do at the weekend, so let's get up and do some podding. <laughs> Fair dues. Fair dues. So, uh, Rangers hosted Antwerp for the second leg of our Europa League last 32 tie on Thursday night and I think I speak for everybody when I say we all thought it couldn't have been as mental as the first leg but by Christ it gave a good goal didn't it um, Ian for a sheer football fan point of view looking back this was a very entertaining tie all in wasn't it uh, yeah it had written didn't it it had 14 goals Four penalties, is that right? Five penalties, five penalties, five, five penalties, a red card. Uh, I just, you just, 
you just couldn't really make up that kind of scenario over two legs, could you? It's uh, it was brilliant, but terrible at the same time because you're just like, yes, yeah, scored again, and you're like, no, they scored again. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was as a, a non-neutral, it was a bit of a whirlwind. But I can imagine any neutral watching that game would be like, that was that was outstanding. Aye, obviously it's it's like any for any football fan when it's your team, it's like watching a penalty shootout. When it's your team, it's horrible. But when it's two random teams, I, I love penalty shootouts. But that's kind of what this game was like. It's I just with emotion in it. It was probably can enjoy it too much at a time. But looking back, it was fantastic. Um, Craig, am I right in saying you signed up for the watch along uh, with Clive Tilsley and Jermaine Defoe? Uh, aye, it was something a wee bit different, I suppose. Uh, probably only done it to get the Majors points because that's the sort of staunch bear that I am. Uh, but I was—I I only used it for the first half because it was—it was good to to hear a little bit of insight from the phone. It was quite interesting some of the stuff that he was saying, but it was also I found it a wee bit distracting from the actual game itself. And there was that much going on. I decided the second half needs my full concentration, so it, it was good. Um, don't know if I would do it again, to be honest, but um, anything to get some Majors points, why not? Did they provide commentary? Nah, so they were just, um, well, the app, so, so the technology of the app is that you sync it with your commentary on the on the telly, so that it's not out of sync, so you're not getting any spoilers or that sort of thing. So there, were, there was a slight delay on it, so they were maybe... I don't know, six or seven seconds behind what was actually happening on the on the telly. And it was just really them sort of having a chat. And as things came up in the game, Clive was kind of hosting it and just asking general questions about the team and or sort of behind the scenes and general questions to the foe about his career and stuff. Um, so it was like quite interesting about what he was saying just in the lead up to half time, what, what will be happening now, who will speak first, that kind of thing. So it did give you a wee bit of insight into it. Um, but as I say, there was that much going on in the game, having my phone open with that and watching the game at the same time, there was a, a lot to take in. So second half, I, I chucked it and just watched the concentrated in the game. Fair does, fair does. So we'll get into the game itself. There's a fair few talking points. So Ian, the first goal uh, was a long ball for Golson and some really good pressing for Hadji and then even more so for Kent. Kent wins the ball back, cuts back to Morelos who fires it into an open goal. So, very well worked goal. But I think this leads me on to my first point. I thought your pressing and off the ball movement for the front three in particular were phenomenal all the way through the game, and that was them at their best. Yeah, and I think when those when our front three are really pressing like that, I think that's when we play our best. We 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 seem to do it a lot more earlier in the season when we were playing better. We seem to do that really high press a lot more. Um, it fell off a bit. I felt like Ross County recently. We'd done it really well. We pressed really high and quick, and and we we, we ran over the top of them doing it. And and it's the same with uh, against Antwerp. The front three for the first twenty minutes were just unbelievable. They were they were they were everywhere, and creating chances, and just not giving the the Antwerp defenders any time to settle. And it it just pay, it pays off for the whole game because. You then you, you've got them rattled and and we, we take advantage of that by scoring five goals. I think yeah, I kind of backhanded the criticism for fans is right. We're so good at doing that, but why do we not do it all the time? But they we need to tailor their expectations. 
because if Motherwell, for example, example, are sitting with a 10 men low block, you can't really press too much if they're kicking the ball out of the park. And from a physical point of view, you can't do that for every minute of every game. Yeah, that's true. You're just good. You, like, we, we rely too much on Kent Morelos, don't we? Like, it's, it's generally the two plus one. So if they two are just going all out, shutting down defenders every game, then, you know, before we know it, they'll be burnt out and, and we'll, not, we'll not be able to use them to their full, full ability. So a very good start to the tie that put his 5-3 up on aggregate. So Craig, I want to cover off the two Antwerp goals um, at the one, one time because uh, I find it's really frustrating for, for both of them because on both of them, there was a big element of we just switched off. Uh, so the first goal, I think Eribo has to be a, more aware of what's actually happening in the game and uh, the second goal was just a clusterfuck really away McGregor and Golson running into each other. What was your thoughts on both goals? Uh, yeah, just before that, I wanted to, for the Morelos goal, um, well, the two Morelos goals really, so the, the first one he got and the Dundee United goal at the weekend, like, you could say, oh, that's lucky the Dundee United one, the keepers kicked it off him, or Kent's got the break of the ball, that's lucky that the defenders played it that way, but it's it's the work rate and the effort um, for the the one that, although Kent get the break of the ball, it was Hadji that pressed first, and then that forced the defender to play the pass, and then Kent was on top of him, and then Morelis is moving, so he's, although it is a tap into the empty net, it's, it's not quite as simple as that, it's from the edge of the box, and it's the defenders right up against him as well. And then again, the Dundee United goal, it's it's that work rate and effort that you can easily just stop and stand still when the ball just gets kicked over your head. So it's it has good credit that I, there's a wee bit of fortune in it and it's worked out for us, but we're making our own luck with that, with the, the effort that we're putting in. Um, but I, so the, the Antwerp goals, the, the first one, I felt... There's probably two ways of looking at it. The Balogun, um, right back... He does get skinned, so is that poor defending from him, or do you put it down to a good bit of skill from Lukaku before he plays the ball in? So there's probably two ways of looking at that one, but uh, once the ball's in the box, I'd say a rebo needs to be. He needs to get goal side of his man. I know he's more of an attacking player than a defensive player, but if you're tracking your man in the box, you need to get goal side so you can stop that, that wee flick that he got. But that is, sorry, carry off there. Did you see Hillander before they even get into the box? Hillander shouting at him to come in and pick up that man. So even before um, Balogun gets in, Hillander is telling Aribo to go in there, and that's what's most frustrating for me. Yeah, that's, like, we've defended so well with Goldson and Hillander all season, but they can't do it all, so you do need to track your men and just the, the basic stuff I'm not saying that Arebo was lazy with it or anything like that but he just needs to be that wee bit more determined just to get goal side and because as I say the other way of looking at it was it was a good bit of skill from Lukaku and it was a really good finish as well um, but I from our point of view we could be doing better to stop that um, and then touching on the second goal as well it's it, it, doesn't, it doesn't look good does it with McGregor going into Goldson but at the same time, it's it's three bodies all coming together, and their striker just happened to get the break of the ball. So it, it wasn't a good position to be in, and you are taking a lot of chances by getting yourself stuck in that position. But they they did get a good break of the ball, and their striker's done well to take it in his chest and finish it as McGregor wipes out Goldson. But if that exact situation happened again, and maybe McGregor gets to the ball first, or Goldson gets, so really it's a bit of a lottery when the ball just gets chucked in like that, and his body's coming together. So. 
it, that aye, the, the way it worked out, it doesn't doesn't look good for us, does it? But we we can't really be too critical. I don't think about how we've defended this season. I think you're right. It's over the course of the season, their defence has been magnificent. But I think it shows that we will get punished for even switching off for that one second at this level and even going into the last 16 but probably not I think as long as we take the learnings for every mistake we make and I think this Rangers team have done that over the last couple of seasons so probably not too much of a, a worry at the moment so half time comes at one each and the second half starts with an absolute bang uh, straight for kick off ball goes to Kamara fires the ball into Hadji takes a bit of a poor touch and eventually falls to Morelos who lays it on to the on-running Patterson. Patterson then drives into the box and a perfect finish into the back post. So at this point, my first thought was probably the same as everybody else's. When the fuck did he come on? I, I didn't see the announcement in the sub. Um, that was probably what surprised me the most. Ian, there's probably, uh, there's been a lot of chat, sorry, about Patterson's and Goon Bassey's inclusion in the squad in the first place, and we've got to come on to that. But before we do, from a footballing point of view, this is such a such a good goal, and from a player that we do have a lot of promise for, but we've no really ha- seen him have too much of an impact. Yeah, I, th- I thought he came on and he had a great game. I thought Balogun had had a hard time in the first half, and, and I felt that they were maybe targeting him a bit, because a lot of the attacks were coming down that left-hand side. Um, and I felt that once Patterson came on, that stopped. They didn't, they didn't really have too many, too many attacks down the left. I felt Balogun, they've, they've targeted Balogun, I think, uh, just because he's he's, he's a centre half playing right back. Um, so they've thought it's maybe a weakness that they could get at. But Patterson, what he gives us is a more of a a tav like right back. He just. Balogun just won't get forward the way Tav does, whereas when you put in Patterson, his ability's not quite the same as Tav, but it's style of players. So that that having that similar style of player rather than a, a centre back, it, it gives that team that balance again. I felt like that that was there in the second half that, that Patterson got forward more and he defended really well when he had to as well. So yeah, his inclusion in the squad was a bit of a surprise, the three of them being in the squad, but they served their um, quarantine time or, and they're available to play and there's no suspensions, then why not have them on the bench? It's If, if the plan to have them around going forward is there, then you know, get them back in. I know, that this is a tricky one for me. See, with the benefit of hindsight... After Patterson getting that goal, it's obviously the right choice for a footballer's point of view. But at the time, I'll be honest, I was quite disappointed that they were they were on the bench. I think it's and I, I want to, I don't want to I don't want to sound too critical with the manager or anything. But it did seem a bit hypocritical on like, when we look at how Jones and Edmondson were treated. Craig, what's your what's your thoughts on it? It's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because um, I think we handled Jones and Edmondson right, but then hypocritical, if I can say it, it's probably the, the right word. Um, because for me, I, I would hate to see, particularly Bassey, eh, particularly Patterson, but also Bassey as well, getting written off, because I think they do have a big future, um, especially Patterson. Um, 
I think he's got potential to be a long-term right-back. And like, even if you look at Scotland, there's no real contenders at the moment for right-back. So I think Patterson's got a massive future ahead of him. Um, so he's done wrong. He's a young boy. Um, but I don't think we should just write him off. But then at the same time, I think we've done the right thing with Jones and Edmondson. And I would imagine Zongu won't be getting kept on. Um, so it probably is a bit hypocritical to say it's okay for is to forgive Patterson and Bassey but then write the other ones off but I, I just think Patterson's got such a bright future ahead of him it'd be stupid from the club to, to write him off um, for me the sort of best two young fullbacks in Scotland are Patterson and Doig at Hibs as well so like, there's a lot of potential there that I just, I just don't think we should be writing Patterson off um, you look at England when Foden and Greenwood were away shagging in Iceland they, you don't expect them just to get written off they, they've been forgiven haven't they and you've seen the impact that the two of them have and the future that they've got ahead of them so I'm not, I'm not saying Patterson's at that level or anything but it's a, a similar situation what, what's happened for a young boy to come in get a bit of fame and a bit of attention on him make a stupid mistake and I, I'm glad it's worked out the way it has but uh, hypocritical is probably the right word because I wouldn't expect to see Jones, Edmondson, Zungu wouldn't expect to see them back in a ranger stop. So Zongo is a big surprise for me that, that he was involved. Um, cause I assumed that I'd be him until the end of the season and his, his loan would expire and that would be it. So it's it is quite a tricky situation, isn't it? And the consequences of it could have been a lot worse than, than what they have been. Um, but I'd imagine they'll be getting a, a big ban coming soon from the, the SPFL. See, see on Edmonton, I'll rate Edmonton. I was a fan of him and I was... You know, albeit it wasn't getting too much game time, but I think he could have been a, a very decent centre half for Rangers going forward. And I would still now that now that the events have happened the way they have, I would like to see him back. If providing, uh, I still think Golson and a and other will go. Uh, I, I don't know if Balogun will be here long term, but I think we. I think we lose at least one set and a half, and I think Edmondson is playing quite well at Derby. I'd like to see him come back, but I suppose the point I'm, I mean, what what doesn't sit right with me is your level of punishment is determined on how good a footballer you're, because I think that's a that's a very uh, that's a very dangerous territory to go into. Like we've seen it with Barry Ferguson back in the day, where because he was the most talented midfielder at Rangers, he thought he could get away with murder, but that wasn't quite the case. And I don't know if I wanted Pat, Patterson and Bassey written off, but it just seems as though they've got away with one. Is it maybe a timing thing as well? Like I feel like um, Jones and Edmondson were banned by the SPFL much quicker. It's been two weeks now since this story broke, um, and we've still not heard any, any kind of mention of what kind of ban they're going to be getting, so I'd expect it to be at least seven games, like like Jones and Edmondson. But also, we don't have any ability to loan these guys out. You know, so when Jones and Edmondson fell, fell of the, the rules, they, they had the ability to then be loaned out, whereas now the window's shut, so like it's either basically just kick these guys into the reserves and not give them any game time anyway because they're suspended. Um, it's I think that might be part of it as well that they've not really they've not been punished yet, so they are free to play. But we can't 
we can't really do anything else with them. Like we can't send them to play elsewhere. That's true, and I suppose the uh, Jones and Edmondson they, they weren't quite as necessary for the squad. So if you are looking at it, if you are being pragmatic, you know we we had the other centre halves. Uh, Jones Jones wasn't really worth a fuck the last two years, to be honest. So uh, if we're being pragmatic, then that's probably any of the thinking. But in the day, regardless of what any of us think, the decisions being made by the club, and but. Um, I I think I think everybody was surprised when the team was announced at five o'clock the other day. Um, so back to the game itself. Uh, Ian, we'll start with you. Next goal was such a well worked team goal, uh, finishing with Morelos beating the defender and cutting it back to Kent. Uh, so it's a really good finish for Kent. But I want to sing the praises of Morelos here. I want to ask you, why is it so good in Europe? Is it a mentality thing, or is it how teams play? Like, what is it about the Europa League? Uh, it's not a Scottish ref, so he can get away with more. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, like Gerard said at the end of the game, it's who's watching as well, isn't it? It's like, I mean, how many scouts are turning up to watch uh, any game other than a Celtic game uh, for Scottish players? So I, I think it's that as well. It's to do with the the audience that he's going to obviously if he's playing well in the Europa League he's going to get a much better move than he is playing well in Scotland so I think it's partly that I think it's partly it does get that wee bit more protection from referees like we see him get a lot more fouls in Europa League um, and we see him get a lot less against them probably um, so I think it's it's a, a bit of a combination of that as well. Uh, he loves the competition, doesn't he? I think I seen he was nominated for Player of the Week. So, but so he'd be involved in four goals, wasn't he, when he was on the pitch? And, or eight, eight over the two legs. That's that's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, Phenomenal. Uh, and the only one he wasn't involved in, he wasn't on the park. So, um, aye, he does love the tournament, and hopefully he stays and has a wee crack at the Champions League next year. Craig, on a similar sense, Ryan Kent is, I don't think you can pinpoint Ryan Kent just to the Europa League, but this, the other night, I think if it wasn't for Morelos, Kent would have been my man in the match. He he just loves a big game, doesn't he? Uh, he was excellent, but you're right, Like Morelos was phenomenal. It's it, when he, He's in that form, so if you, if you try and get tight to him, he rolls you, and then we win a penalty like we've seen, or if you try and drop off and stand him up, he'll knock the ball past you and run by you and just all his link up play as well in the games. He was he's unplayable when he's in that form. I know we've maybe not seen it as much as we would have liked this season. Um but he was brilliant. So I as good as Kent was, he has just been overshadowed by, by that Morelis performance. But Kent, like you look in the first was the first five minutes probably before we'd scored, Kent had already had two shots on target. Um he's He's just so quick at shifting. You, you don't know what way he's going to go. He can go left, he can go right. He, he just turns so quickly. Uh, he's got a wee burst of pace as well. He's always confident, always wanting to take his man on. Even if it doesn't work out for him, he'll go again. And he just doesn't, he's relentless. He just doesn't stop. Um, and it, just with the type of player that he is, some days it's it's going to come off for him and he'll look like an absolute superstar. And other days he'll be struggling with it. But if he, if he get consistently hit the performance levels that he did the other night he, he wouldn't be at Rangers he'll be going to some one of the big teams down south or somebody abroad for an awful lot of money so maybe him being a wee bit inconsistent is actually a, a good thing for us 
think we we spoke about that last pod, didn't we? About Kent and and the reason, like, it's frustrating is that bit of inconsistency because we know that ability's there. And and like Craig's just said, if he was consistent, he wouldn't be at Rangers. He'd be at a much bigger club. And thankfully, is that wee bit of inconsistent. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What you mentioned there was like how confident he is the other night, and I think that's something that we need to call out for the whole team. The, 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 also, we got to the last 16 last year, but we, we were still set up to kind of soak up pressure for the majority of games. This season, we've just looked so comfortable and confident in our own ability at this level. Even against Benfica, uh, for the most part, we did look as if you know the, the team believed that they deserved to be there, and that's a massive difference. Ian, we'll cover off uh, the two penalties. Uh, Bonner for the first one, and then uh, Barisic, <laughs> he was just being sound and gave the second one to Cedric Itton. Uh, so the Barisic one, first of all, is he ever going to change his side where he, <laughs> he puts the penalty? He's, he's just uh, he's just trying to make every keeper think he's going to hit it, hit it to the right, isn't he? And then he's going to go down down the left one day. Um, but his strike this time was much more what I was expecting from him. It was just much more powerful hitting the side net. It's just what I, like why I felt he should be the penalty taker because I think he does. I don't think Andy strikes the ball as well as he does in our team. And that's for me is why I was always like banging the drum for him to be the penalty taker if it wasn't Tav. So yeah. You keep hitting them left. If he keeps putting them in the same spot as he did the other night, no keepers saving it. So if he can keep doing that, then yeah, I'm happy for him to keep taking the penalties. And he's another one that, that played quite well the other night, but I loved his post match interview. When he was talking about giving uh, it in the the same penalty to like get his confidence up and in his goal, it was like a it was like a sound big brother to help the the wee man out. Wasn't it? it was <laughs> fucking heartwarming. Um, Craig Etten um, straight down the middle. It's a bit of a gamble, but it paid off, didn't it? As long as you get enough power on it, then it's a fairly safe way to take a penalty unless the, the keeper just stands still, which they don't often do. Because uh, I, I think he did get his feet to it, didn't he? Um, yeah. But if he, if he had it with that much power, it's it's nine times out of ten it's going to deflect off you and go into the back of the net anyway. So good to see him get a goal. Um, 
because that's probably the only real criticism of of him this season um, that he's not got enough goals. But he's I feel a bit sorry for him just because he's not had a, a huge amount of opportunities. I know he had a couple of games recently, um, but the majority is coming on as a sub for the last twenty minutes, and he's always putting in a good shift and running down the clock and, and doing that sort of thing. So it's it's good to see him get a goal, and hopefully that helps build up his confidence, just like. Like Barna was saying in his, his interview, it's important for strikers to be getting goals and, and feeling confident. Yeah, and it's been hard for Everton this year because uh, the competition he's got. It's not as if uh, it's not as if he's like he's just there because he's not pressing training. He, he is doing well when he comes on, and like the management team do think of him highly. But we, how many else has been playing the last couple of months, and or well, probably for the most of the season, came out of when he's been playing as well. It's it's hard for him to get game time, but I think he is definitely one for the future. Speaking on ones for the future, Scott Wright actually won the second penalty, and I thought I thought he had another really good game. Ian, it's good to... I think the last couple of, couple of weeks I've been saying um, he's been playing well without having a, any actual input, if you get me, like not really creating anything. So good to see him with another good performance, and surely down for a start soon. Yeah, I've been impressed when he's come on. He's always he's very direct, doesn't he? He just gets the ball and he just kind of goes forward, uh, which is obviously what we see. He just, yeah, he's, he's he just wants to score by the looks of it, or be involved in scoring. He just every time he's he's, he's always very forward thinking. Um, I can't remember him going backwards at all. He just not necessarily head down and go, but he's just get the ball and go and. Drives at the defender, and I think the defender chasing back is just a bit overly keen, and and that's how he manages to win the penalty. Um, it's good to see him being involved in a goal. Um, like you say, he's, he's not really had too many assists, or he's not had any assists or anything like that. But we've seen a, a bit of an end product from him Thursday night. Yeah, incredible credit, Stuart. The majority of the gallant few said uh, we, don't, we shouldn't buy him in, in January. <laughs> Just one person that said they should have. Who was that? Oh, fuck, that was me. Aye, that's, that's why I'm in the big seat. So, on to the draw. <laughs> this really is an amazing achievement to be where we are. Considering two years in a row into the last 16 of the Europa League, considering where we started from, the season before Gerard took over, the highlight was Pedro's battle of the hedge. Um, you know what I mean? That's so... We've came on leaps and bounds. Uh, just on hedges, Craig. Um, what's your what 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 hedge brings you more nightmares? Nidercorns or Brecons? Ah, uh, Nidercorns. That's that's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> just that image is absolutely brutal. Pedro standing having a wee tantrum in the bush. That's oh, that's horrible. Don't don't make me think about that. <laughs> but oh. what I would say, uh, see, just the run that we're on in Europe and under Gerard like in the last three years like it's actually it's so enjoyable when we've got a European game um, all the years I've been watching Rangers no matter who you're playing in Europe it's always been a bit nervous and a bit cagey and even if it's a team you think we should be beating you've never been fully comfortable and confident that we are going to beat them like even when you think of the, the Manchester run that's that's one of my best memories as a Rangers fan and it's difficult to be critical of it because it was it worked and it was so successful. But see the actual games himself, other than Bremen, the Ibrox and Sporting Lisbon away, the games weren't actually enjoyable. They were tense and nervy and we were sitting in. The, the results were obviously enjoyable and 
getting into the next round was enjoyable, but the, the 90 minutes itself was pretty tense and pretty nervy. Um, whereas now you, you're absolutely buzzing when there's a European game, just because you know, not not just the fact there's a European occasion, but it's the football that's going to be played and the way we're going to attack teams. It's like exciting to, to watch it. And it's I don't think we can talk that up enough because even when you look at other Scottish teams in the past and how they approach Europe, it's always been a case of mm, we're not really good enough for this. We'll need to sit in and defend and hopefully hit them in the break. But it's, it's just been a brush of fresh air the way we've, we've approached European football. Ian, what I love most about when we have a good run in Europe, it does translate into the league form. And I think that's because because this Rangers team love playing in the, the big occasion. And I think it's no coincidence that we had a really stale January and December and even early February in terms of performances. We were still getting the results, but it was so lacklustre and kind of lethargic and we were kind of edging over the line. As soon as we come back into Europe, we go and scrub Dundee United 4-1. And I think that's a common theme that Rangers are the best when they've got these midweek games and playing in the big occasion. And I is that... Am I looking too much into that? No, I think you're right. I think just the momentum thing as well. Like We get a good result in Europe and then it gives us that boost coming into the, the weekend game against, what, like you said, Dundee United. And then we go and scalp them and that gives us another boost. And then we go into Europe again and we win again. And then it just has that perpetual um, kind of motion to it. And we just keep going and we, we just we, we steamroll our teams and we get on a, a good run when we just play weekend, Thursday, weekend, Thursday, and we don't have those breaks. Like you were saying, we got a bit stale in January, February, and we, we, we had a lot of kind of free weeks and the odd free weekend. Like So now that we're, we're, we're playing every three, four days, um, I think you'll see the best of us again. So Rangers were drawn to Slavia Prague in the last 16 of the tournament. Uh, Craig, I'll come to you first. What's your thoughts on the draw? In terms of like club names and prestige and that sort of thing, it's probably one of the better ones that we can get. Um, so obviously, still quite a lot of big names in the in the tournament. So it's probably Molda or Slavia Prague if you're wanting the, to go for the easier route. They're the ones that would jump out at you. But um, they've just put out Leicester, and Leicester are absolutely flying this season. Um, I was having a look at their results as well, and. I don't think they've lost a game domestically all season. The only uh, defeats they've had have came in the Champions League qualifier and then in Europe as well, in the Europa League. So they're obviously going to be a good team. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I know much about them other than that. Um, we've seen uh, Sparta give Celtic a doing, but that probably doesn't say much this season. Um, so Sparta-Prague are a decent team and Slavia-Prague are, I think it's maybe eight points or something ahead of them in the league. Um so they'll probably be a higher standard than them. Um, so it's one of them. It's your head and your heart, isn't it? Do you want the sort of glamorous, one of the big names? Um, or do you want to go for the sort of easier route um, to, to try and get into the next round? But at, at this stage, really, there's no easy game, does there? There's every team that's still in the tournament at this point they deserve the credit and the respect for getting there. So it'll be a tough tie, um, especially, as I say, with them beating Leicester, they'll be buzzing after that and they're doing well in our league so we just need to see how it goes but if we if we play the way we played the other night we can be confident of giving anyone a good game and, and getting into the next round Ian, just building on that momentum, so we're next playing Wednesday which we're going to come on to then it's Wednesday, Saturday, then it's the first 
leg against Slavia Prague. Then we'll play the weekend again. Then it's the second leg. I'm I'm fully confident if Rangers keep this momentum up, then we are we are at least going to be in. We and we have a chance of taking the game to Slavia Prague. Yeah, definitely. I don't see why we shouldn't. Why we should change at all? We should just stick with the formula that's working for us. I mean, I would say Benfica would be a better team, and we didn't change our style to play them. So why should we change? Let's go with what's a winning formula. Just stick with it. And what you were saying there that they've they put out Leicester. I think Leicester didn't have a their strongest team. No Madison, no Barnes. Um, who are at the moment Leicester's two best players on form um, I, don't, I don't think Leicester were taking it as serious as you know we are um, but they did beat them I did. I had to look at the results and it was the Michelin who put them out of the Champions League and they absolutely spanked them and I think we had, we had a great result against Michelin didn't we last, last year yeah so they had the, the results in, in the group stage as well were like funny. They beat Leverkusen and got hammered by them. Um, they also managed to beat Nice away. So when they are going to be a, a decent team. Like nobody's going to be an easy draw, are they? So I think it could have been better. It could have been worse uh, for me. Is the way I've looked at it. So yeah, I'd go at them. Don't change anything. Don't. Don't adjust how we play because I think if you try and adjust how we play, it then has a, a detrimental effect on the team trying to play a different way. What I'm looking for is is in top of keeping the momentum going and building on the play we've been we've been showing over the last two games. I'm looking for Rangers to learn from the mistakes, in particular Benfica. I mean Benfica, you've seen the best and worst of Rangers, and you've seen a wee bit of glimpses like that against Antwerp as well. As long as we continue to work on the concentration, cutting out the silly stuff, because for the majority we, well, we definitely we definitely are a team that should be in the last sixteen. Um, and uh, for the most part, we're playing absolutely tremendous football. It's just the wee niggles here and there that will get us caught out. So as long as we continue working that, then I'm I'm confident. I think what do you know what we've defended really well this season, right? But I feel like in Europe, most of the goals that we've conceded have been mistakes. I I can't remember a time where a team's just absolutely tore us apart. You know, like, if you go for um, Kent's goal, um, they're like, we absolutely tore Antwerp to pieces with that goal. We've not had that. It's always been, like, a, a mistake, whereas at Balogun getting done too easy and, the, and then Aribo not being goal side of his man, or is it the clash between the keeper and Goldson? No, it's the daft penalty, like, in the first leg. Um, so... I don't see teams tearing us apart. Like uh, it's it's all, any goals we are conceding are down to our mental mistakes. So if we can cut out those mental mistakes, like there's no reason why we we shouldn't beat Slavia Prague. And here's hoping they cut it out then, and well, in the in the draw for the last eight. So before we get too ahead of ourselves, we do have our next week game against Livingston. Uh, on Wednesday night, so we travel to the Pasta Palace for a six o'clock kickoff. Man, <laughs> I'm not going to make too much fun of the 
their name when the big talk, the big ridiculous point here is a six o'clock kickoff on a Wednesday night. What's the deal with the kickoff times this season? I think just because there's no fans in the stadium, they think they can just get away with whatever time and we'll just deal with it. It's bullshit, really, because we're still, although we're not travelling to the games, we're still watching the games and people have their work and they're having to rush away to get home for it. And even like the, I know it was the teams that requested it, but mind round about Christmas when we're kicking off and like three o'clock and random Wednesdays and stuff like that, it's just a bit frustrating um, because. Although we are, people have their jobs and they're working, but you want to go and see the football as well. And it's it seems to just be because there's no fans in the stadium, they can get away with fanning about with the kickoff time. So hopefully next season we're back in the stadium and, and that starts. Um, but Lavia have got the, the cup final today, don't they? So hopefully yeah. that goes to extra time and then they can win it and then they can go out and get pushed and be hung over for Wednesday. Here's <laughs> hoping so. Rangers will be without came out of James Tavenier and Ryan Jack still, and I'd imagine we'd maybe have confirmation of the Parsons and Green Bassey bands, which will come our way. Um, so, Ian, how do you see us setting up for Wednesday? Uh, would you bring? Uh, well, t- talk us through who you have. I'd maybe give Arfield a start just to get him more game time again get them back up to full speed because if we're going to be starting and we've got obviously a free weekend this weekend but if it's going to be Thursday weekend Thursday weekend then we need everybody 100% don't we so um, I think the defence pretty much picks itself I know Gerald said Balogun had a wee knock but I'd fully expect to see him at right back again uh, as I say, I'd probably bring in Arfield and I'd probably take out Kamara and just rest him again because I think he puts in an awful lot of work during these European games. And then I'd probably stick with the front three since we've had the weekend off. It's, it's always a difficult place to go to Livingston, isn't it? We've not had the best record there over the last couple of years and I can't remember any games where we've gone and turned them over. Um, so I think we need to go with a strong team I can see them having a hangover from this game no matter what the result is either an actual hangover from winning it or a a mental hangover from losing it um, so it might be a good time to get Livingston at, at the, the Pasta Palace as you call it <laughs> Craig, uh, Ian said he'd want to go with the same front three but I'd like to see Scott Wright come in for a start here either side of Morelos uh, I think I would go with probably more or less the team that started on Thursday night because um, I'd imagine that will be similar to what's starting against Slavia Prague so that's with no game this weekend that means we've effectively almost had a week off um, so if you if you think that's going to be the same team that we're playing the following Thursday night in Europe um, I would go full strength with whatever team we're planning on playing that week Um and then at the weekend, we've, is it St Martin at home we've got? So that game, you can maybe make a few wee changes to keep us fresh for, for Europe. Because um, although we, it's never as simple as if we make changes at the weekend, we'll be we're guaranteed a win in Europe. It's, it'd be good if it was that easy. Um, it never guarantees anything, but we can probably afford just with the position that we've got now. And we are going to win the league no matter 
well, um, even if it gets delayed a couple of games because we're maybe having a bigger focus on Europe than on the league at this point, I think that's worthwhile for us. Um, so Wednesday, I would go with whatever team we're planning on playing the following Thursday night and then use the home game against St Mirren to, to make some changes if we need to. Uh, either of you have a concern around Hillander. Um, he's going to be playing in centre-half because well, we're short options there. Um, I'm a massive fan of Hillander, but I do think he gets caught out in the plastic pitches. Uh, I would, I'd imagine he'll start on Wednesday and then possibly next weekend we might see Simpson come in for him to give him a game at Ibrooks. Um, I, I, I would stick with him for, for Wednesday night, I think. Yeah, I've, I've got no problem with Hillander playing. Um, I think he's had one, I can think of one one mistake all season that I can that actually sticks out and that was the Benfica game and other than that he's been he's been excellent this season so I've got no problem with him being in there <laughs> probably me just been too cranky since I'm, I was made to get up early so rounding off the show as we always do Twitter part of the week a chance to tell the listeners what's the funniest thing you've seen in the world of social media so I'm going to start us off after Morelos checking the ball out um, in the name of fair play. Graham Bodman tweeted, Morelos obviously been watching Still Game, the episode where Tam gets electrocuted and starts being nice to every cunt. Enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, the, on the subject of that, when does FIFA Fair Play Awards start the, the voting start? Because imagine the shithouse today if Morelos wins the Fair Play <laughs> <laughs> Morelos can win that and uh, Ruth can win the Pukas Award. Yeah. <laughs> Craig, what have you got for us this week? Uh, it's probably, I don't, it's maybe worth posting a link for this because I probably can't do it justice. But the, did you see the South African podcast getting absolutely ripped into Zunga? No. Uh, I'll, I'll send the link over and it's maybe one you can tweet out so everyone can watch it. Um, but basically, it's a South African podcast. And they're talking about the the COVID breach from Zunga, and they they don't hold back. They just get absolutely ripped into them. Um, they, they probably come at it from being quite patriotic, and it's a South African going to a big club in Europe, and they want him to do well to make a pathway, and they're just absolutely fucking fuming at them. So I'll, I'll send you the link over, and you can you can tweet it out so people can go in and watch that. It's well worth a watch. Ian, what do you have for us this week? So my my tweet comes from Printworks, and it's a uh, sale now on. Customer ordered these stickers in summer, but no longer wants them. Any offer considered? Ten in a row, 20, t- 2021 champion It's good to have the South African correspondence back. We've missed that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just hope um, we like Zindru most likely going that you know we don't uh, like. Rangers Twitter page doesn't lose like a hundred thousand followers uh, because nobody in South Africa cares anymore. Um, <laughs> I think we were building. There was uh, when the COVID breach came out. There was loads of comments saying that that were unfollowing. <laughs> if you go back and have a look at them, there's loads of South Africans saying that. <laughs> <laughs> the passionate giving them that. Well, that'll bring us to a close for this week. All that's left to do is thank my two guests. First of all, Ian McCready. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And Craig, always a pleasure, never a chore. Yeah, pleasure talking about the teddy bears. And thank you to everyone for listening and take care.